we are going to be in the book of Haggai again this morning as we uh, close out uh, just called an investigation. Um, so, man, we've asked the, the standard who, what, when, where, why, how questions of the church and things of the church. So who is the church? Well, we've discovered that the church is those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. He is the one and only Son of God. And He showed His power by defeating demons. He showed His power over sickness. He even showed His power over death. Forever defeating it and paying the price, the debt that you and I owe. What He has done is really incredible. Our sins are forgiven. Our future is heaven. And so God's Word tells us that when we trust in what Jesus did on the cross, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and we are the church. And we've seen throughout this series, whoever believes in their hearts, and not just their head, belongs. So when did the church start? Where did it start? Well, we saw that it, it was in Jerusalem, and that is recorded in the book of Acts, not long after Jesus ascended into heaven. And remember, we have looked at both ends of the spectrum of good versus evil. Jesus is on one side, and on the other end is Satan. He is the former worship leader of heaven who gave into pride, believing that he could do a better job than God. And so he was kicked out of heaven, at least to some extent. And now he longs to steal, kill, and destroy anyone and everyone, especially those who love and worship the one true God, because that was once his job. He tries to keep as many as he can from hearing the truth of the gospel. And the church is on the front lines of this battle against Satan because we are God's number one plan to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. The church will last forever. It is the most glorious building project in the world, and we are called to live on mission for the glory of God. That's why we should do everything we do here for His glory, not ours. And we saw last week, How do we do that? By being in tune with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, Jesus told us that it's better for Jesus to leave so that the Holy Spirit would come. And we saw that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He stands by our side. He pleads our case. He is God's seal upon God's people for all eternity, and we should trust Him. We should listen for His voice uh, through the Word of God. We should listen for, uh, for Him confirming God's will as He speaks through godly people that He puts in our lives, confessing our sins and obeying our Lord, again, for His glory and not for ours, giving Him complete control of our lives. So who, what, when, where, why, how, now. Now we come to the last question. By now we can acknowledge that God may be calling us to more, and hopefully a shift is taking place where we all want to become more involved. Now what? How do we proceed? And for that answer, we look at the book of Haggai once again. Uh, We've been here this summer before, um, but remember that God was not happy with his people. Because they returned from exile, 
And they took care of their own agenda and they let God's house go to ruins. And by neglecting God's work, they were actually neglecting God's glory. And so through Haggai, God speaks to us today and answers the now question. Notice what God said again in verse one, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It's easy to miss. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, go up to the mountains, and bring wood, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Now remember that word Lord, it is Jehovah, the self-existing one who needs absolutely nothing and no one for anything. And God's instructions for Judah were to go to the hills and bring back wood and start building the temple. In other words, it's the first blank on your outlines. Get up and do something. Get up and do something. Now we can admit that 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 looks different for different people. God gives each one of us different gifts by design, equipping us with different skills. In 1 Corinthians, he compares the church to the parts of of a body. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 12. God's word says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, that one body being many, many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is is it therefore not of of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member... Where would the body be? But now, verse 20, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. It's kind of like a, a puzzle. The body of Christ is kind of like a puzzle. Does anybody enjoy putting puzzles together? Anybody? Some of you do. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really not a puzzle putter together, but uh, we were on vacation back in, in February, and um, when we got to the cabin, there was this thousand-piece puzzle that, uh, that, that they had been working on um, really all week. And I got to tell you, I, I think we got a picture of it. Uh, this is just uh, Copper Mountain. This is all the uh, different trails in Copper Mountain, and so I mean, it is it is tedious. A thousand. I mean, the last puzzle I put together was probably twenty pieces. You know, I mean, with my kids, uh, this is a thousand pieces, and so um, 
this puzzle just drew me in. It, it drew us in. And so every time we had a free moment, we were working on the puzzle. And so um, here's, here's what it looks like completed. Okay. Um, but the problem was there was one piece missing. Have you ever have you ever had that? Those of you who are puzzle piece puzzle putter together's for is there an official term for that? Um, one piece missing. So what did we do? We searched everywhere. We thought, uh, well, maybe it got sucked up in the vacuum. Maybe it's under the rug. Maybe it went under the the baseboard. I mean, we searched the cabin up and down to find that one piece. And so um, finally, Nathan found it. It was under the leg of a bench. But I mean, we, we searched for a long time. But here's the reaction that we had once we finally found the one puzzle piece. And then Alec broke it on, 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 during our celebration. So uh, don't worry, we were able to put the puzzle back together. But, I mean, so for days we'd been working on this puzzle. We came down to the last piece, and we were missing one piece. When we finally found the piece, we, we celebrated. We rejoiced. And so the, the body of Christ is, is really kind of very similar it, Compared to parts of a body, um, it's, it's a puzzle as well. God is putting together a puzzle, and, and each piece is important. And so I, I just wonder if maybe there, that God is, is working on our hearts here today, that maybe you're that one puzzle piece that's been missing at First Baptist Potosi. You have a part, and it's, it's been missing not everyone needs to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be a small group leader. Not everyone can sing. That's, that's okay. Not everyone can teach. Uh, not everyone can teach small children within a closed room and not have to be in a straitjacket when they come out an hour later. Amen? See? Yes. Can I get a witness, right? <laughs> but everyone has been given a God-given gift from the Holy Spirit to help this body be complete. When we come to know Jesus, we get that, that puzzle piece, a God-given ability or talent. And so what we see in, in His Word is everyone should do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Get up and do something. Uh, my uh, my eighty something year old grandma. Every time I talk to her, she tells me about these uh, quilting squares that she makes for uh, for foster kids, and she spends sometimes eight hours a day, every day, just quilting, um, being a, a part of this ministry at her church. And she's eighty, I think she's eighty four, but yet she still has a place, and God is still using her, and she is finding so much joy in doing that. It really does keep her going. And so maybe you say, well, I'm not sure what God has called me to do. That's probably because maybe you haven't searched it out. Because chances are good uh, you know what you want for your life. The cat inside all of us knows what we want for our lives. Um, I have no problem searching out what I want for my life. 
And chances are good that we may know what other people want for our lives as well. But when was the last time that we just, we listened for what God wanted? It is so easy for us to get in a, a spiritual rut because we just go through the motions because that's what we've always done. And these spiritual habits, they're, they're good to get into, but, but when they become mundane, then we lose interest and pretty soon we stop caring about the things of God. What if God is calling us to something more? What if God is calling us to step out and serve Him in faith in an area we've never served before? What if God is calling us to step out and lead in an area we've never led before? What if God has a place where we can volunteer in the ministry of His church even though we never have before? What if God's calling us to something new? What is your part in the church? Get up and do something Go out, go to the mountains, and get wood and start building the temple. What is God calling you to do to build his church? Notice in Haggai what God's people did, and then notice God's response. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, notice, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. It's, it's really easy to miss, isn't it? But the people, they responded with obedience Lord, whatever you're calling me to, the answer is yes. And God responded to their obedience by saying, I am with you. So the next blank's on your outline. The people obeyed, and the Lord promised his presence. The people obeyed, and the Lord promised his presence. And we can take comfort in that. God is not going to call us to something that he's not going to walk with us through No matter how big and how terrifying the task, the Lord, Jehovah, is able. So he says to us the same thing that he said to Judah. I am with you. It is a promise of his presence. Look at verse 14. And so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people, And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of of hosts, their God, on the 24th day, the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. Maybe some of us just need to start by asking God to stir up our hearts. Because we've been settled for a long time. Ephesians 5, 8, 8 and following says, For you were once in darkness, but now you're light in the world. In the Lord, excuse me. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Awake! You who sleep, stir our spirits, God. That's where some of us need to start. Because when God stirs our spirits, and when God's people are obedient, 
to what he's called us to do, then what God is doing through his church, it's not mundane, but it's exciting. But when we try to manufacture something on our own, or if we're just stuck going through the motions, or if each individual is not being obedient, then we begin to settle. I uh, enjoy a good iced coffee from time to time. And every time the barista hands me my iced coffee, I can always tell if they took time to stir it or not. Because if they didn't, uh, then all the good sweet stuff is in the bottom, and it all comes in that first, that first drink, and then the rest of the it doesn't taste like it should. But if they stirred it right, then the whole thing tastes good. See, when God stirs our hearts because they have settled, then the church tastes like it's supposed to, to the lost. The sweetness of the gospel. And so the call is to get up and do something. What is God calling you to do? To go to the mountain and get wood and start building the temple, start working. Consider your ways. God, stir our spirits. Lord, wake us up. We're getting ready to to go back to the gym for this ministry fair. And the message today is, is short by design, but I believe that what happens in the next hour and a half back in the ministry fair, it can be worship as well. Some of us just need to take a, a serious heart check and ask God, Lord, help me to make room in my heart for what you're calling me to do. So we'll close with this. Let's take it one step further. Because honestly, there, there's two different parts. There's the church corporate and the church as individuals. We know that God is not focused on a building. The, the most beautiful picture of a church is the one that you see in the mirror each and every day if you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives within you. What are you doing to build that church? Not on the outside. You already look good on the outside. What are you doing to build it on the inside? That's where God focuses. What are you doing to build the temple of the Holy Spirit right there in your heart? Another good question. What are you doing to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right there in your heart. What are you doing to feed your spirit? What are you doing to starve your spirit? I heard uh, Chris Hodges say it like this. Many of us are on Facebook more than we seek the face of God. And many of us are texting rather than reading the text of the word. God is calling us. To build the church. And he says to each one of us, I am with you. He longs to be with you. There is no answer as to why other than his love for you. On your worst day, he is head over heels in love with you. So what are you doing to build the temple and further the gospel?